my question is this if your true self is so inimical so loathsome to the people you love that they would leave you if you were honest are those really the people you feel safe around Welcome to Atomic Moms, a modern parenting podcast about the joys and complexities of caring for our children and ourselves. I'm Ellie Noss, and each week we celebrate and commiserate with best-selling authors, parenting experts, and mamas all over the world. Hi, this is Ellie Noss with Atomic Moms. Hello, it's Martha Beck. I'm geeking out right now. Uh, thank you so much for coming on Atomic Moms. I uh, I want to start off because I am planning on releasing this tomorrow. So I'm going to share your little bio and you can hear it and feel really good sure. about yourself while I share it. And then uh, we'll kick it off because usually I do a long intro, but I got to get this out to our Ooh. listeners. Um, okay. okay. So Martha, I've never read a Twitter bio before, but I'm kind of obsessed okay. with yours. It's... Uh, this is the Martha Beck who writes books, has three kids, three Harvard degrees, a column in O Magazine, ADD plus high anxiety, and a passionate love for baked goods. Okay. Got that, listeners? <laughs> she is also the life coach, best-selling author of many nonfiction books, including Expecting Adam, Finding Your Own North Star, Steering by Starlight, and Finding Your Way in a Wild New World. Today, we are talking about Martha's life work and her new work of fiction, Diana Herself, An Allegory of Awakening. Elizabeth Gilbert, best-selling author of Eat, Pray, Love, and Big Magic, declares, It's a perfect book. I want every woman I know to read it. It is storytelling at its very best and also at its most important. So, Martha, I have to admit, I've been on a Martha Beck binge and I highly recommend a Martha Beck binge for anyone who wants to shake things up in her life and just feel better. And while I was uh, on this binge, I was listening to a lot and reading a lot about your integrity cleanse. So let's go from uh -huh. binge to cleanse. Can you please right. tell our listeners about how you came up with it and a little bit about this journey you're on? Well, I'm very excited about my the integrity cleanse. It was completely spontaneous. I was visiting um, two writers and spiritual teachers I greatly admire. They're married to each other, Byron Katie and Stephen Mitchell. And they both live in absolute and total integrity. Like, if you once I gave Katie flowers and she said, thank you, and then just turned around and gave them to a stranger. <laughs> like she, she had no use for them whatsoever, and she was not going to say she did, you know? They'd, it's so interesting. They just, I'm telling you, these people never lie, and I was spending a day with them once, and they're both so, like, so what we all want to be, calm and happy and gracious and visionary and everything good. And I started to realize that I wasn't living in that kind of integrity and that I wanted to very much. And so I sort of took it as a challenge. And I had a meeting, a phone meeting that day with, um, I don't know, something big, like thousands of people were involved and I was with the team and I had to excuse myself to go get on the phone. And then five minutes into the conversation, I said, I don't want to be here. <laughs> wow. I said, I I'm going to leave. Because I'd rather go be with my friends. Can someone take notes for me? And they were like, sure, we're good. And I said, okay then. And I ran out of the office 
And I chased Katie and Stephen down the street. They'd gone off to a restaurant. And I chased them down the street with my fist in the air, screaming, Integrity cleanse! <laughs> it was, I had never given that phrase a, a moment's thought in my whole life. But that was about 18 months ago. And I have been very, very conscious of staying in complete integrity that whole time. And it's a really radical way to live, and it makes everything work. It is absolutely life-transforming. I mean, it's everything. It's everything I thought self-help should be. Like, it finally finished what I'd been groping toward. And, I mean, it's a... You have to do it every day, so it's not finished, finished. But it's like, oh, that was what I was looking for to completely set me free. Total and absolute honesty. Well, Martha, okay, you got to hold my hand here then. What about my fears of abandonment? Because it's, look, I've admired a lot of people who, who it's funny because they're not on an integrity cleanse. <laughs> like they, There are a lot mm-hmm. of people who can just say like, I don't want to do this. And you're like, well, right. that person's a narcissist. So they're on their own weird version. No, that, a narcissist doesn't say I'm doing what I want. A narcissist says, I'm going to do what makes me feel puffed up. And I want oh, you to yeah. do what I say. It's different. That's a great so, point. What you're basically telling me, tell me where I'm wrong here, because I'm usually wrong, um, is that there's an, there's an underlying fear in you that says, if I do what I actually want to, and I'm really honest with everyone, I will be abandoned. Yeah, I'm freaked out about being abandoned. I'm afraid of losing my family. Uh, yeah, that's we it. We all are. I mean, the first time I did a version of the integrity cleanse was when I, I decided not to lie at all for the entire year of 1992, I believe it was. I made a New Year's resolution. And I did not lie that year, not once. And I lost my family of origin, my job, my home, all the friends I'd had before I was 20, my religion. I left the Mormon church, and that was, like, not a good idea socially. So you betcha, you're going to lose people. Absolutely. My question is this. If your true self is so inimical, so loathsome, to the people you love, that they would leave you if you were honest? Are those really the people you feel safe around? No. Yeah. So what happens on an integrity cleanse is everyone that doesn't actually like you for you goes away. (laughs) And then everyone who comes, and they do, they come to replace it so darn fast, it will make your head spin. And the people who come in, in the empty spaces, are people who like, who love you and who love your honesty. And that means they are honest themselves because liars don't like honesty. So yeah, it's, I mean, I'm writing a book about it right now and I'm like, don't do this if you don't mean business because it will seriously change your life. Seriously. What about the people that leave um, because they haven't done the work themselves? I think a lot of times moms, we caretake others because we're like, well, they, they can't handle the truth or uh, it's going to upset them too much because it's going to hit all their wounds. So I'm just going to kind of quietly go about my do. business and not upset people. You do a mutual dance on eggshells and everybody's miserable all the time. And Christmas it makes you want to stab yourself. Um, <laughs> yeah. And, Have you been? You've clearly been to my family Christmas. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> oh, believe me. I mean, my family literally wants me in jail. They are very, very unhappy with me because part of my integrity was writing a book about leaving Mormonism. And Mm -hmm. um, they did not like that. I got death threats and everything. 
I don't care because lying as a way of life is horribly, horribly painful. Even the nice little lies we tell to keep everyone happy, they don't keep anyone happy. So what happens, and you don't have to like club people over the head with your truth. It's as simple as saying, you know what, I, my back hurts, I'm going to go lie down for a few minutes. And if they don't, if they can't stand that, if they can't handle that, okay, that relationship is not really, it's not really a relationship. It's just a couple of people doing the eggshell dance. That's, yep. Yeah, I know, I know. Thank you. I know no, what you're saying. You're, it's so inspiring. Uh, watch out, world. I'm going to get honest. Uh, I, Just give it a whirl. I, yeah, yeah. I, I think I need to stop caring about hurting people's feelings. It's that, like the code well, that's what, me. Uh, that's what Katie told me. That's the exciting part. When you do exactly what you want and it upsets people, it gives you this opportunity to clear out the relationship. So what happened to me this time, because I've been doing all spasmodic integrity cleanses through the years, I think. But um, what happened this time was I went and told a few people that I was not happy. Like I'd stopped calling one of my best friends because something she was doing really annoyed me. And I thought I'd talk to her about it and she wasn't paying attention. But in fact, she just hadn't really heard. So when I told her what she was doing that bothered me, she burst into tears and said, I have been doing that. I'm so sorry. I'll never do it again. And she didn't. That's what happens on an integrity cleanse. This book, Diana Herself, An Allegory of Awakening, this is also part of your integrity cleanse. You know, you've got several bestsellers under your belt, uh, but you wanted to do this one differently. And so not only is it fiction, but you wanted to tell the story your way. So you created your own publishing house. Mm -hmm. Uh, I'm wondering, you know, what was that experience like? And also what was the industry afraid of hearing some of what you were writing? Why did you need to go on your own path for this particular story? Yeah, I, I think it's because, first of all, the experience was deliriously fun, like mm -hmm. so much fun. Um, the autonomy of doing stuff myself. You know, I painted the cover and you know, I was beautiful. like totally, oh, thank you, totally into it just as a, as a fun project. And I hadn't felt that way as much when I was working with, you know, editors in New York that need this and need that, and they don't quite get it. And the biggest thing for me is that I love um, the mystery. I believe that life has a component that is miraculous and that actually that is the central focus of my life is the, the, the spiritual. And it's not a religious spirituality, and but it's also not kind of, it doesn't fit well within the rubric of our culture. And I've found that even publishers who believe things like that themselves are very, very, very leery. So I've been getting, I've been creeping closer to that book by book by book, because as I did self-help interventions, I kept running into the fact that once you get clear and clean and honest and your life gets better, miracles start to happen. It's just it just is true. I mean, there was no other way I could look at things. And I, I kept getting closer to writing it really bluntly. And publishers were getting more and more nervous with me. And and this one, they were just like, I, I sort of, my agents sort of put it out there and they were like, absolutely not. Write a normal self-help book. And I was like, well, okay. <laughs> I'm not in the mood. Ha, ha, ha. Wow. I'm on an integrity cleanse. I'm not going to do it your way. It feels wrong to me. No offense, but it feels wrong to me. So 
that's what I had to do. I was on an integrity cleanse. Oh, I, I have to admit that uh, you can probably just tell from my voice and because I imagine you're a very empathic person uh, that I am someone who tends to make fun things work. Like I, mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm like the opposite of Martha Peck where I like to turn fun things into work, like this podcast. And I kept, uh, while I was preparing for this interview, I had to keep doing my own little integrity cleanse and keep saying to myself, you know what, Ellie, Martha is not going to let you use her against you. Like, you don't get to turn the Martha Beck interview into work. Like, you have to have fun with this. Like, you have to, like, enjoy it. Like, get razzed and excited and uh, my daughter kept, she's three, almost three, and she kept pointing out like the goosebumps on my arms. But Aww. it's, um, yeah, when it can be free and fun, I've, I I know what you're talking about because uh, the, how the magic comes in. For years, I was trying to be an actor and I just like hit my head against the wall again and again and mm-hmm. again. And it didn't feel right in my body. Um, and I kept thinking, yeah. well, maybe once I learn how to breathe properly or once I can get out of that mm-hmm. flight or fight, I, I, there's got to be a way to game the system when now I'm finally nope. realizing my body was saying, this isn't it. This isn't it. And, uh, yeah. and I would, the self-sabotage that would come up, I, it, I'm not an idiot. Like I, I can remember lines, but I couldn't in those moments. And I was like, this it wasn't is... self-sabotage. It was self-redemption. Exactly. You were yourself out of the wrong thing. Exactly. Yeah. And then with the podcast, it's like, it's so much magic, so much magic. This whole journey uh-huh. for me has been so much magic. And I did, uh, in preparation, I think not knowing that I would eventually have a podcast, I had started my own spiritual journey after I had a one in a million tumor. And uh, I started meditating then because I couldn't walk and I couldn't get out of the house and I was going crazy. Mm. And so after that, I went on this uh, seven-day silent meditation retreat at Spirit Rock, and it was um, incredible. And I had a little journal where I would write notes from the Dharma talks, and I would take this journal with me on all my trips, and then I lost it. And this is my little piece of magic for our listeners. Um, <laughs> and it actually involves a question for you as well. Uh, but I got... I lost, I lost my little book and I couldn't find it. And one day I got a package in the mail and there was an anonymous handwritten letter in it and Mm. the Dharma notes book. Mm -hmm. And it was from an Amazon returns building in New Jersey. And I was like, oh Oh my my God, I was like, God lives in New Jersey. And I had, it turns out I had returned a broken suitcase and one of the pockets still was full of my belongings. Uh, and oh I was goodness. like, well, I do things like that. Like my ditziness almost kind of summons the magic because uh-huh. uh, this little note was so beautiful. But the last line I have to ask you about. So I'll read the little the a part of this note. It says, okay. we get, and I have no idea who wrote this. Um, she just felt the need to send me my book back from across the country. She says, we get a lot of odds and ends and the ends get disposed of and the clothing and the shoes are long gone. But the book seemed a bit more intimate, something the mm-hmm. author would like to have back. An empty Aww. box of prescription meds contained your name and address. Simple as that. So wow. Here, so here you go. A little karma wrapped in a brown paper bag direct from New Jersey. That's, wow. that's the best kind, you know. Simple and unexpected. It's always Holy. there under the noise. 
You can't make it happen because it's happening now. You just close. Good Lord, the Buddha works in, at, at, at Amazon. <laughs> I know. <laughs> you just close your eyes and deftly catch your share. Then turn around and give it back. So my question to you, Martha, is the last line that she wrote, um, because it's one that I've kind of struggled with for years now. She says, the next time you feel the urge to pay someone to enlighten you, go downtown instead and volunteer at a shelter or a soup kitchen. So when I read that, I got defensive and I was like, God, in New Jersey, you don't get it. Like I needed to go to Spirit Rock for that week. Like I needed to start to heal myself so that I could help other people. And I, I feel like there are probably a lot of, you know, commenters. <laughs> I sometimes make the mistake of reading commenters on the New York Times. And I imagine mm -hmm. they would say things like, you know, go like she go to a soup kitchen to help and then you'll be helped. Like don't pay other people to help you or don't mm -hmm. pay for these experiences. So help me out here. Like what, what do I what do I say? To well, them? you're reading all this stuff into it. Oh. You're reading a, an implied criticism, a veiled dig at you shouldn't have done this. All I heard is that this person said, the next time you feel like paying someone to help you, go to a soup kitchen. That's it. You have no idea what that person's motivations are. And to ascribe to her a critical tone is not integrity. You can't know that for sure. And if you can't know that for sure, then assuming it is not honest. Okay. So you're saying that that, because that, the word that jumps out to me as the criticism is go downtown instead. But you're saying because it's next time. I, yeah. I, I don't know what she was thinking. I have absolutely no idea what she was thinking. You're right. So I got to tell you, you, I read, e whole... I know I read emails all the time in like the bitchiest tone. And then I go back the next day and I'm like, why did I read yeah. it in that? Like my, if I had an audible book of emails that I read, it'd be like a mean actress sometimes reading those emails. Yeah. And in my, in the book I just wrote, the main character has something I call the Furies, which is from Greek mythology, where she's always screaming things at herself inwardly. You know, everything that happens makes her self-criticize. And that's one of the deepest ways we betray ourselves. And it's simply not supportable by evidence. If you don't have literal evidence that that woman meant that in that way, then you can't assume she did. And it doesn't matter. She doesn't even know you. Why would it matter at all what a stranger whose name you will never know thinks about you going to Spirit Rock instead of a soup kitchen? Yeah. Let's just give, let's give the, all the arbiter power to, to this complete stranger. Oh, man. Just in case, right? Do it all the time. You where you're just, you're, you're beating up on yourself and then you're blaming it on someone else. Oh, that's, that's not good. integrity. That's so good. Ah, oh. um, okay. Well, now I feel better about that Good. because you're right. I need to call myself part of my integrity cleanse will be calling out the, the negative tones that I project on to, uh, other people's writing or even what they say. It's to always me. you. That's it's always, always you. The filter is always you. I have a golden retriever who could, you could punch that dog squarely in the face and she wouldn't doubt for a minute that you, you love her. She just, her filter is just love. Byron Katie is the same way. People have run at her screaming, I'm going to kill you. And she just sees love and confusion. But it never for a moment crosses her mind that the person doesn't love her. But their true self loves her? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Nobody, nobody ever acts like that out of happiness. Right. They're mistaken in some way. They've made an 
innocent mistake so that the world looks like a monster to them. And you do the same thing, so how can you blame them? We'll be right back. There's a great YouTube talk that everyone needs to find. Uh, I'll share it on our social media where you were recently with your friend Maria Shriver and you there was a Q&A section at the end and you said something that made me blurt out like in the kitchen, like, oh, bleep. Uh, and I had to like rewind it and listen again. And you said, if you think your kids should be spared from pain, then you're telling them to be immune to awakening. Mm-hmm. Can we go into that for a minute? Because uh, sure. a lot of our listeners are, and a lot of moms in my mom groups that that I'm a part of, you know, they're afraid of letting their kids feel feelings. Uh, they want to mm-hmm. protect them. And yeah. uh, how's I just that working? Got, I don't know. Probably not. It's not. I mean, I don't think you can. And I that's what I, I just can't get over that you saying that. That if you think your kids should be spared from pain, then you're telling them to be immune to awakening. Well, first let's take it to a logical extreme, which is one way of testing something. See, this is all it's all very scientific and integrative integrity plans. You look and see what what's true and what's not. There is a neurological condition where children are born unable to feel pain. And if you read, you know, go online and look that up and read the mother's stories, they will say, never, ever, ever be ungrateful that your children feel pain. Their children chew their own fingers off. They, they hurt other people and animals because they have no empathy with pain. They are in constant danger because they have no pain. They'll put their hand on a, on a hot stove because they have no pain. Pain is a steering mechanism. And when we're living the wrong life, I, I truly believe that the intelligence of life wants us to learn through joy. So we'll get an impulse to do something that's good for us, you know, lie down because your back hurts, something very simple. But because of socialization and fear and wanting not to be abandoned, we may ignore that, the, the pleasant thought of lying down. Well, if the back then needs rest, the pleasant inclination will escalate into discomfort. And if we still mm-hmm. ignore it, it will, it will escalate into pain. The same thing's true if you're in a job you don't like, if you're in a marriage you don't like. The, the preferable way would be to change out of joy. But very few of us do that because we're socialized not to. And it is suffering that guides us toward whatever is meant to liberate us. Without mm-hmm. suffering, we would just do what we're told from the moment we're born till the day we die, and then we'd be dead, and that would be the end of it. I uh, recently finished the first year of training of Peter Levine's Somatic Experiencing, and uh, and I love I love this idea that our bodies don't lie, and you've got this great quote about how uh, our bodies know the way home like a horse. And a lot of, God, I would say a very high percentage of uh, the guests on Atomic Moms and many of the listeners who are attracted to it ha- struggle with autoimmune disorders or autoimmune oh, diseases. Yeah. And um, and I read a little bit about that in Finding Your Way in a Wild New World. And mm-hmm. so why why are we these like I've I don't have an autoimmune disease, but I went into anaphylaxis and almost died, and then I had this one in a million tumor. Like what? What is, are we just more sensitive? Is 
and it's partly that and i mean you can you we can play with any story you want i don't know the absolute truth so i don't claim any of these as fact but the way i play with it in my mind is that i like the um very very widespread archetype of a shaman sickness so in almost every traditional culture you'll get people who are sort of born with the archetype of the medicine person and that they they get sick it's called a shaman sickness they get a baffling it's usually a baffling incurable illness that medicine can't touch and um you know traditional methods of healing don't change it either and the way to heal a shaman sickness is to begin training the person to be a healer and then the if the sickness goes away when they start that you know aha, they really are a medicine person. This is one of the reasons I, I, I do life coach training. Mm-hmm. <laughs> That's the cheesy name our culture gives it. But what it really is, is a training for people who have uh, the archetype of the medicine person. And it, it actually is meant to help people get over that illness because that, this is what did it for me. This is what helped me. And I found the only explanation I found for it was in in these traditional beliefs about shamanism. So it's kind of an interesting um, an interesting little dynamic because our culture doesn't have a word for it, and yet there are people like you experiencing these things all over the world, and they don't know what's happening to them or how to fix it. Yeah. I mean, for our listeners, I don't talk about this, but I, I had such I've gone to probably a billion doctors for my stomach issues mm-hmm. and they have cleared up drastically mm-hmm. uh, just in the past year and a half, two years, like since starting the podcast, since stepping away from acting. And it's just amazing mm-hmm. what our body tells us. Are there mm-hmm. people that are in jobs that aren't right for them, uh, that are sick all the time? That if, Million. That if, and and they might not be shamans, like that they might not be the medicine people, oh, but yeah. they just need to like get out. If you just are doing something that's miserable for you and it's not meant to be your path through life, your body will throw you down and stop you. You know, it mm-hmm. will physically stop you if you won't stop on your own. But it will always try first with kindness. It will always first say, wouldn't this be delicious? And if we just don't even pay any attention to that because it's not in our cultural mindset, um, then the pain can start. Because it's meant to heal us. Pain is meant to heal us. I just, I, I'm stopping myself. I just want to be like, yes, yes, yes. I want it. Like every time you, <laughs> after you finish speaking, I want to be like, yeah, that's it. So with your life coaching, there's a training program that is starting up again in September uh, yes, it is. And so the Martha Beck Institute Life Coach Training Program, uh, everyone, you can take a look at it at MarthaBeckInstitute.com. But it's secretly to get you over your shaman sickness and make you a healer. <laughs> yes. So, what? Um, I, yeah, I mean, I can't imagine you don't go through that program without massively healing yourself or being in a, yeah. a, a better place. I was yeah. uh, doing some of your exercises over the weekend and I was having so much fun. Like, I, I don't cool. even know if they're included in the coaching program, but there was one about uh, visualize your, you know, you're on the cover of a magazine in 10 or five years, 10 mm-hmm. years, 15 years. What, what are you the on the cover of? Who's interviewing you? What's every little detail? And I really went down that rabbit hole and I can't tell you how much that calmed me and made me excited for life and made me start seeing things in a different way. Mm. Um, With life coaching, 
see, I hate to be like a bummer, but let's say one of my furies, because you talk about the furies, um, and those are the voices in our head. Um, you know, if one of my furies is saying, like, but how can you make a living at this, Ellie? What do you say? Well, I keep saying that myself, and it just keeps happening. It's the weirdest thing. You know, I was, it started, I, I felt overwhelmingly pushed to leave academia, and I did. And then I bizarrely felt pushed to go teach at a business school, an international business school in Phoenix. And I thought, this is so strange. These are contradictory instructions. I don't get it. And what happened is I taught at this business school for a couple of years, and then the students started hiring me just to talk to them. And I, it was like, really? Uh, seriously? So I, I wrote a book and just like, here, everything I know is in this book. Now leave me alone. And it just backfired horribly. And they just kept paying me to talk to them. And so finally I was like, well, that beats working. So that's what I've done. And um, there are, people who go through the training program have lots of different results. And... Some of them decide to do it full time as a profession, and some of them it take the co- the coach training itself takes them in a different direction because it's really not life coach training. It's actually training to make you a healer of worlds. And we don't know, like I don't know when people show up what they're actually going to be. In fact, eighty five percent of the people who sign up for our program say if we ask them why, they say I have absolutely no idea. <laughs> they're just being drawn to it. Yeah. So the whole thing, you know, I do, it's so weird. It's, I was wondering this this morning, like how come I can make money doing stuff that I I don't understand how this is happening. I can't like codify it for anyone. It's such a, I'm not very good with that stuff anyway. There's a thirst though. We need this. We want this. We've been, this has been so neglected in our lives. And yeah. man, you, one of the things I love about your writing is that it's so funny and it feels, uh, feels very down to earth because it's actually of the earth. And I, it inspired me to, I was like, God, I've never planted a vegetable garden with my daughter. Like I haven't done any of that stuff. Mm -hmm. Like I'm always on my computer and I'm like, what am I doing? Mm -hmm. Your work has helped me look at the world in a different way again of like, no, no, no. Nature matters. Like get my hands dirty in the dirt. Um, If that, if that makes you, if it brings joy, yes, do it. It's not the same for everyone, but if it brings you joy, then do it. I had never even tried you know, it was like a thing that my, you know, my mom always planted flowers and my mother was, um, you know, always uh, drawn to horses and these things that I was like, oh, well, that's my mom's thing. I'm like, oh, well, maybe mm-hmm. I should revisit that for myself um, with I, I want to let you go soon. You have a very busy life. But uh, mm-hmm. I wanted to ask one question in closing. We always end Atomic Moms podcast with. Uh, the phrasing, trust in your goodness, live out your greatness, rock on atomic moms. And whenever mm. I say trust in your goodness, I get a little tingly and sometimes I tear up because mm-hmm. self-compassion and trusting in my goodness doesn't always come easily to me. And sure. that's true for the main character in your book, Diana herself. And, uh, sometimes I even lack self-compassion about my lack of self-compassion. Right. So, Martha, what, 
can you please just work your magic on me for one second? Yeah, you do an end around. It's you can always get around a lack of compassion. You just have compassion for the person who can't feel compassion. So there's a part of you that beats yourself up, and then you beat yourself up because you're beating yourself up, exactly. right? I've got to stop beating myself up. Right. Okay, so there's a person there who can't stop beating herself up. Just be kind to her. Just offer her kindness. Say, I get it. You can't stop beating me up. It's okay. You have your reasons. I can handle this. Just let yourself off the hook. That's it. You can always do that. You can always love the one who's in resistance to love. Thank you. Everyone, you can find Diana herself, An Allegory of Awakening, on our website, AtomicMoms.com. Take a look at MarthaBeckInstitute.com for their upcoming training program. Thank you again, Martha. Thank you so much. Until next week, trust in your goodness. Live out your greatness. Rock on, Atomic Moms. Thank you.